You're listening to audio from Cibolo Creek Community Church. To learn more, visit CiboloCreek.com. So today we're going to wrap up a series of messages that we've been working through entitled On Mission. And what I've been trying to get us to understand is that we are a part of something really, really, really significant. We are a part of something that's eternal in size and perspective. And so the first week of the series, we were talking about the fact that Jesus came to earth on a mission. He came on a mission from God, and that mission was to save the world. That God, Jesus, his son, the Holy Spirit, they, they agreed together that they would provide a plan for salvation for human beings whose lives had been devastated by sin and found ourselves in a predicament far, far from God because of our sinfulness. But God in his great love, God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to come to this world to help save the world by providing a sacrifice, a payment for the penalty of sin. But the story doesn't end there. The story includes us as Christ followers, as Christians. And that is this, every single person on the planet who calls themselves a Christian who's made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their savior and made a decision to follow Jesus as the Lord of their life. Everyone who calls himself a Christian, we've been given a mission. Jesus gave his disciples a mission and as 21st century disciples here in our time, in our day and age, we carry on the mission of Jesus. We've been given a mission from God to help save the world from spending eternity separated from God in hell. That's you and me. We have a part in that. And we talked about the significance and the seriousness of the fact that all of us, we know people that we love, people that we're, we're married to, that are part of our family, people that um, we go to work with every day and that we've come to enjoy and know as friends, people that we go to school with, relatives, people that we uh, have known for a lifetime and are close friends of ours, but they don't know Jesus as their savior. And God has asked us to be ambassadors on behalf of heaven to help them understand that God has offered them the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, we've been talking about the fact that it can, be seem, can seem a little overwhelming to think about us having to save the world, and it's not us doing the saving of the world. Jesus does that, but we are the messengers of the truth of Jesus, the gospel, and it seems kind of like a daunting task to think of it in terms of like the whole world. And so here's what our challenge has been the last couple of weeks here at Cibolo Creek is rather than trying to save the entire world, let's, let's just start by walking across the street and inviting our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and classmates to just come toward the fire, the campfire of God's love that might be experienced here at church. Let's just start there. And we've been, we've been reminding ourselves as a church that we have some great opportunities coming up here on Easter next Sunday. We have a great opportunity to invite people to church as an opportunity of maybe beginning a discussion in their life about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have three services. The 7 o'clock service is a sunrise service. It's going to be hosted up at Fair Oaks Ranch Country Club. And then here at uh, 9 and 10.30, we're going to have identical services on our campus, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. 
You say, well, Paul, I don't think my friends are ever going to come to church. That would be a stretch for them. That's not really what they're into. And I go, okay, here's another opportunity where you can invite a friend to participate in something that our church is providing as a way of maybe meeting some people from your church and giving them a little bit of an idea of what our church is like. And that's Serving Sunday coming up on May 1st when we move out into our community and we serve uh, people in in a variety of different ways. And maybe your friends would be, We'd be willing to participate in something like that because it's an opportunity to help other people. Make sense? So Jesus came to this earth on a mission to save the world, and then he invited us as his disciples to help continue that mission by being his ambassadors. Last week, we talked about the fact that the way that Jesus intended us to be on mission is that we were to be servants people who were willing to serve other people in the name of Jesus. And that's the most effective and efficient way that we'll accomplish being ambassadors of Jesus in our world is by serving others. Well, today I wanna, I wanna talk to you a little bit about the most effective way to serve other people. Today I wanna talk to you about your, you ready? Talk to you about your secret weapon. Although I got to thinking, weapon might not be the best parallel. So what if I had to talk to you about your superpower? Right? You know, I was only like, it was maybe like three years ago that I learned for the very first time that Batman didn't have any superpowers. Did you know that? It's like my entire childhood is a lie. I, I, I always thought he had superpowers, but he doesn't. He's just a really wealthy guy with cool gadgets. I, I thought that was interesting. So today I want to talk to you about your superpower. A way of you thinking about how to be most effective on the mission that God has given us as disciples of Jesus. So let me ask you guys, are you in a good mood? I don't know what I'm going to do if you ever say No. Okay, you're in a good mood. Do you know what I mean when I say the phrase come from curious? Have you ever heard that phrase? I'm inviting you today to come from curious, meaning I want you to come into today's discussion as if maybe you didn't know anything about it. Some of you, that will be true. You've maybe never heard anything about this before. Those of you who have heard something about this topic, I want you to come from curious, like you're hearing it for the first time. Maybe consider it in some new and different ways, but come from a place where you're going to be willing to learn something that might stretch you a little. Are you willing to do that? Now, I'll just tell you that, um, first of all, this topic is enormous, And there's no way in the time that I have on a Sunday morning to thoroughly discuss this topic. In fact, this topic would take us the better part of a year of Sundays to really work our way through it properly. So all I can do today is introduce you to the topic. We're going to hit some of the highlights about this topic. We are not going to exhaust the topic. And I can assure you, I will not answer all the questions that you might have about this topic. So can we come from curious that we're just going to introduce this today? The second thing I want you to know about this topic is this is a lousy setting to consider this topic. 
you know, a great big room full of people or watching online and one guy standing up on the platform doing all the talking. That is not the best way to discover this particular topic. This topic is best discovered in smaller groups of people like a life group or an elective or workshop where people could spend hours dialoguing about the discovery of what we're going to talk about and maybe take some, like, some exercises or evaluations of things and, and discern maybe an understanding of like its role in your life. And so it's just an enormous topic, and this is a lousy setting for it. So all I'm going to do today is introduce you to it. And you guys are going to be really, really gracious and agreeable to that, right? Okay. Now, there's one other thing I want to take care of before we get into the topic of the morning. In a room this size, and folks watching online, in a very broad and general sense, there's two types of people in this room. There's Christians... And there's non-Christians. There's a group of you in this room, you have made a decision of faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. You've invited him to be a part of your life. You recognize that his death on the cross was on behalf of your sin and you received the gift of salvation that comes through that faith. And you have made a decision to follow Jesus, to learn how to live your life in a way that reflects the way Jesus would live his. And I'm going to tell you that this topic has unique bearing on your life. In fact, you have a very high accountability to this topic. As a Christian, this would be called a stewardship. This is about something that God has entrusted to your care and asked you to manage to make use of and to leverage for his glory and his kingdom, to do something with it. And as a stewardship, someday we as Christians, we will actually give an account to God with what we did in relationship to this topic. Does that kind of raise the stakes a little? Now, there's also some of you in this room, you say, Paul, the truth of the matter is, I, I'm, I, I don't believe what you believe about Jesus. I, I haven't come to a conclusion about that. I'm still sorting it out. I'm still kicking it around. I'm trying to make sense of the questions that I have, but I'm, I'm here and I'm interested and I'm exploring. And I, I said, I couldn't be more excited that you're here. And I'll just tell you, you as a non-Christian, you have a different accountability to this topic. You have a different accountability. But let me encourage you to listen closely to what we're going to talk about today for two reasons. One of those is there may come a day where you put things together and it starts to make sense and you do put your faith in Jesus and then you will be accountable to this topic. So pay attention. And I'll come back a little bit later in the service and I'll talk specifically to those of you who are not Christians but I want you to understand something in relationship to this important topic. You ready? Okay. So we're going to do something that we don't typically do. Instead of look at like five or six different passages of scripture to show you guys I'm not making this stuff up, but that the Bible actually says this stuff. Today we're going to just look at one passage of scripture. 
So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And again, if this is all new to you, use your table of contents. I know a lot of you, you have a Bible on your phone as an app and it's a little bit easier to find your way around. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For those of you who are Christians in this room, you're going to say, honestly, Paul, I've never heard of this before. I go, okay, great. Today's a great opportunity for you to hear about it for the first time. Some of you, you would say, well, I've heard something about it, but it was kind of weird and I didn't understand it. And so I haven't bothered with it at all. Okay, that's good. And some of you, as Christians, you'll say, yeah, well, I heard about it. I think I understand the gist of it, and I still haven't messed with it. I I don't know. I just, I don't have time and energy for that. And then some of you, you've heard about it, and you understood it, and you've taken it very seriously, and you're doing your very best to live your life in relationship to this topic. You say, Paul, enough already. Would you just tell us what the topic is? Okay. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We read this. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church in a city called Corinth in the first century. And in the midst of this letter, he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. And the language suggests like they had never heard of this before. This was all new information. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be what? Uninformed or misinformed. Some translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Not ignorant as in like a a sarcastic way. Ignorant, I, I just don't want you to live your life as a Christian unaware of this. This is important stuff. Now, I don't, now, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then we're going to come down to uh, verse 4, all right? And Paul writes, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit who hands these out or is at work. So there's different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord that we're serving. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all people. Verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. We'll just stop there for a second. Now about spiritual gifts, Cibolo Creek Community Church. I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different gifts. They have different ways of working. They accomplish different things, but they're all about the same Lord, the same God that we worship. And to each one. Now, who's the each one? Well, the letter was written to Christians. To each Christian, to each one, a manifestation or evidence of the Spirit has been given, and that exists for what? 
the common good. In other words, here's what we have. Every follower of Jesus, every Christian, has been given a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is for serving others. And we serve others for the good of the larger church. Does that make sense? Okay, it's just introductory. Maybe some of you are learning for the first time. Oh, spiritual gifts? Been given to Christians? For serving others? For the greater good? Yeah, that's it. That's all I wanted you to know right now. Now, what's a spiritual gift? Well, they, they can be defined a lot of different ways. Here's, here's a definition. A unique God-given ability to serve others effectively. Think about it. If you're a Christian, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. You've made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe for the very first time here today, you're learning, wait, what? what? God gave me a, a, a spiritual gift? Uh-huh. The God of the universe, creator, sustainer of the universe, when he adopted you into his family as his sons and daughters, he said, oh, oh I'm going to give you a unique ability, an ability that I'm choosing to give to you. I'm going to give you a unique ability, and here's what it's for. It's for serving others so that you can help contribute to the common good of the body of Christ, the family of God, the church. Did you get that much? I'd love to ask for a raise of hands, but I'm not going to. I would love to see a raise of hands. How many of you, that's like the first time you've ever heard. Don't raise your hand. Or maybe, or maybe there's some of you you said, that's like the millionth time I've heard of that, and I still don't get it. Good. We come from curious today. A discovery, first of all, that God, when I become his sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ, he gives me and you a unique ability to serve others. And it's for the common good. Now, the, one of the verses talked about like different kinds of gifts and, and here's the language and, and different kinds of gift, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. Now, the New Testament, the letters to the New Testament identify about 20, 25 spiritual gifts that are given to the church, to the body of Christ, unique abilities. These are just three of them. One of the gifts is identified as that God gives some people a unique ability for leadership for the common good. Another one of the gifts that's um, identified is the gift of administration, a unique God-given ability to administer details and plans and strategies and the ways things work. And, and one of the gifts is the gift of hospitality. 
this kind of unique God-given ability to just sort of make people feel comfortable by providing a warm, accepting, inviting place for them. And sometimes it might involve food and dessert, but it doesn't have to. It's just, I love to host people because it's a way that God has gifted me to win people to Jesus. These are just three. You with me? Here's what he's saying. There's different kinds of gifts, like 25 different kinds of gifts that are identified. There's different kinds of service. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that you could use these gifts. Some people might use a gift of leadership in children's ministry because they'll provide some sort of leadership to a dynamic that works for children and the service of providing them a great experience at church. And other people may use their leadership in something, a larger picture in the life of the church. Or somebody might provide leadership to a community group in their home. Somebody else might use hospitality as a way of creating a comfortable Sunday morning experience by making coffee and making sure that there's a guest services team that greets and helps people find their way around the facilities. And, and there's, that's one way. Or somebody might host a group in their home that... People come there every other week or so, 10 or 12 people come and they gather around scripture study and prayer. And, and this person loves to just create a really warm and engaging environment for that. And then there's different kinds of working. There's different ways that God will use the different gifts to accomplish different things. So we shouldn't expect that it all looks the same, that it all works the same. But what we can expect is this, you ready? God has given you a gift. God has given you a gift if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and that gift is for serving others. And in serving others, you help create the greater good for the larger whole. You with me so far? Okay. So some people ask, well, Paul, what's the gift? What's the difference between like spiritual gifts and talents? And again, Big discussion, we could go into this in much greater detail. This is just sort of a summary of maybe the discussion. Spiritual gifts are uniquely received at salvation, that when you place your faith in Christ, that's when we receive the spiritual gift that the Spirit of God grants to us. We're not born with it. Whereas a talent is often something that's inherited at birth. Gifts are given only to Christians. Talents are given to Christians or non-Christians. It's not to diminish anything about talents. It's that the talents can be given to anybody and everybody, whereas gifts are only given to Christians. The thing about gifts is that it can have a supernatural or spiritual effect. God uses your gift to accomplish spiritual kinds of things in people's lives. People discover something about the love, the grace, the mercy, the gospel, the truth, the presence of Jesus Christ when you do the thing that you were gifted to do. Whereas talents, they have more natural, broader effect. They can have tremendous impact, but they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily accomplish something that's deeply spiritual in nature. And then gifts, they always have spiritual impact. They always make some sort of eternal difference when somebody's on the receiving end of the gift that God has given you. 
inspirational impact to talents. Now, God can use the talent that somebody's been given to create wonderful moments that God uses for spiritual impact, but there's a difference between the two. And that's just a quick summary. You with me? But here's one thing we can all agree on, that both natural talents and spiritual gifts, they come from God. Both come from God and are blessings that can be used for his glory. All right, let's go back to the passage. Come on down to verse 11. All of these, these spiritual gifts, their work, they are the work of one and the same spirit. Now here it is. He gives them to each one. Okay, watch the next line. Just as he determines. I'd love to know what's going through your mind right now. Okay, God's given you a gift, but he gave you the gift that he decided you should have. He didn't give you the gift that you might want. You with me? Just as he determines. And then then the Apostle Paul uses this illustration as a way to sort of portray this. He says, the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts. True? Okay, we get that. As though all of its parts are many, but they form one body, so it is with Christ, or so it is in this Christian understanding of the way that things work. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, verse 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but the body's made up of many parts. Now, listen to this. He's, he's being creative so that his reader would engage. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body, right? The foot may not want to be a foot, but the foot is a foot, and the foot is important. (laughs) And if the ear should say, well, I'd rather be an eye, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that'd be weird, Not to mention, really hard to buy clothes for, all right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Did you hear that? God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, we wouldn't have a body. Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Okay, so first point was what? God has given each person who's a Christian a unique ability to serve others. The second point is this. God determines what particular gift each Christ follower receives. So it's not about wanting somebody else's gift. It's about wanting to discern what is the unique gift God has given you. 
like a, a genuine curiosity. I, I wonder what the creator and sustainer of the universe, that when I place my faith in Jesus, I, I wonder what gift he's given me. That's the place of curiosity. I wonder what gift God has given you. I wonder what gift God has given you. I wonder what gift God has given you. I wonder what gift God's given the two of you. Because it says God has given gift and he's determined what the gift would be. All right, let's continue. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you because the head ain't going anywhere if it aren't for the feet, right? On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be what? No division in the body, but that each part should have equal concern for the others. Come on down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. In this world, in the 21st century, the tangible expression of Jesus' presence in the world is you and me as the church. Now you are the body of Christ. And what's it say? Each one of you is part of it. Third point. Every Christian spiritual gift is absolutely vital to the health of the church. Every one of you in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given a gift. It was a gift that God determined that he wanted to give to you to be used to serve others for the greater good of the body of Christ. And your gift that you've been given is absolutely vital to the health of this church. We're a body. If we have parts of the body that aren't fulfilling their intended purpose, then guess what? Our body in one way or another is either crippled or handicapped or will never achieve its fullest potential. Without the ministry of your unique God-given spiritual gifts, Sybil Creek will never realize its fullest God-given potential. Just like our physical body is made up of many parts when we put all together, we have a shape that takes place, an expression of, of who we are. The same with this body called Sybil Creek. Each piece is important. So when you came into the auditorium this morning, you found on your seat a piece of a puzzle. Correct? I want you to take it out. I want you to hold it in your hand. 
I love it. There's always two or three. Nope, not going to do it, preacher. (laughs) I'm not taking out that piece of cardboard and holding it in my hand. I, I, okay, okay. As you wish. The illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that of a body. I thought it'd get a little weird if I was handing out body parts. But in the same way, a puzzle. The puzzle is made up of many pieces. But that puzzle, the picture the puzzle portrays doesn't come into focus unless every piece of the puzzle is in place. So here's what I want you to understand this morning. God the creator and sustainer of the universe who's lived for all of eternity past and will live for all eternity future. He knows your name. He's writing your story. He has a plan and a purpose for your life to be used in some way that makes an eternal size difference in maybe just one other human being's life and to equip you to do the mission that he's given you to do, he, he assigned you a gift. Maybe it's the gift of leadership. Maybe it's the gift of hospitality. Maybe it's the gift of wisdom. Maybe it's the gift of helps. Maybe it's the gift of hospitality. Maybe it's the gift of discernment. But I think it's important. You should know what your gift is because you represent a piece of the puzzle here at Sybil Creek Community Church. In the picture of our church in its fullest expression, we will never ever discover it until you have placed your unique piece in the puzzle. We need you. I need you. to know the unique piece of the puzzle that you offer to this community. I'm curious, what piece of the puzzle are you holding? 25 years I've been pastoring this church 25 years I've lived with a certain amount of the weight that I carry on my shoulders about trying to make this thing work. And sometimes when that weight has become so overbearing, I have to stop and remind myself, God has given us everything and everyone that we need in order to take the care of the needs of this church and this community. It's just that some of you are holding on to your piece of the puzzle. You're holding on to it because you don't know what your gift is and you don't even know how to help. Or you know what your gift is and you're just not offering it. So Christians, Christ followers, I'm, I'm asking you, what's your piece of the puzzle? What is your unique God given ability 
to make a difference here in the life of this church and the community that we serve by your unique spiritual gift. We need your help. Here's a question. I, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm not trying to get up in your grill or anything. I'm just, just, we just need to be honest to this, okay? You're one or the other. You're a consumer or you're a contributor. Now, I understand some of you, you're here. It's kind of a unique season of your life. You're wounded, you're hurt, and something's going on. And you just, you don't even have the bandwidth right now to be offering your life to some other people. You need a place of healing. You need a place of help. You need a place of hope. And, and you are more than welcome to come in and consume all that we might offer you by way of encouragement and support and grace and help. I get that. I really do. But some of you, you've been coming here a long time. You've been sitting in these services for years. And you consume what these services provide for you. And you consume what our children's ministry offers your children so that you can be in here and have an hour to yourself to worship. And you consume what our student ministry offers. And I'm saying it might be time for you to take the next step and move from consumer to contributor. Because you've been given a gift that we need. And without your help, our church will never achieve its fullest potential. All that God wants to do through this place. We need your piece of the puzzle. Now, for those of you who aren't Christians, Here's what I, I believe down in the depths of my soul. Because of your relationship with Christ as it currently stands, we, we looked at the passage. It, it would say, you do not have a spiritual gift, but here's what I know. You've got some talents. You've got some skills. You've got some experiences that our church could make use of. You can help. If, if this church means something to you along your spiritual journey of seeking and, and trying to understand God, then, then please give back a little to help make this work. Because we are on a mission from God to help save the world, to save some of your friends your neighbors, your coworkers, your husband, your wife, your sons, your daughters, we are on a mission from God. And it takes all of us, it takes all of us, each contributing our part to make this work.